What's going on, Hardliners? Welcome to His Hardline for another episode of 1% with Him. Remember, every day we need to spend at least minimum 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dig a little bit in the Bible and spend a little time in prayer, you know what I mean? If you can't do that, just join us here at His Heartline. We'll get it done. Drop. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hisheartline.com. We're happy to have you. Let's get started. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're at in the world. I tell you, it is pretty cool to see how many downloads I've been seeing um, on my analytics on the back end of uh, different countries. Uh, Canada, man, you guys are awesome. Thanks for sharing the show and listening in. Appreciate that. You guys, I've been noticing more more, uh, downloads and listens coming from your neck of the woods up there in the great north and and Russia and Germany, Germany, I think is number three. I've been seeing a lot of, you know, good record numbers coming out of Germany so far this past month compared to the previous months in just a short time of this, uh, uh, this podcast, you know, it since its inception. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's Germany, there's Russia, um, United Arab Emirates. That's pretty cool too. You know, and if you look at these countries, you know, I, I, I take, I try to pay close attention to see, the countries that that really listen in now granted i got a lot of countries that listen in but i look at the ones that that frequent this show the most uh, below the united states obviously and you know you it's it's just very interesting to to note that you know these are the nations these are the countries that you know they listen in for i'm sure for either one of two reasons or probably both one to get the word of God, that's, you know, number one, because who knows if in either of these countries, they can even rely on a good solid church. Heck, I can't even rely on a good solid church in the United States, to be quite honest with you, because of the five, the 501c3, um, you know, status that these churches take up. And then they don't give out the whole, you know, the whole truth. They don't give the full truth. Um, you know, and so, that's that's number one maybe the and probably the second reason would be the fact that you know all like i said all eyes are on on the united states because if if america falls so does the rest of the world and so i think that's the biggest reason we got a lot of our closest allies and civilians of other nations around the world that are looking closely at us and praying probably they're probably praying that whatever is happening here in the united states or i should say these united states of america that it's successful because again if america falls so does the rest of the world and so yeah and you know and we face we face this kind of evil right now that's trying to hinder the progression towards freedom, the progression towards true sovereignty, the progression towards um, an increased awakening of God and the Holy Spirit, and a progression of increasing um, the presence of Jesus Christ in the hearts of men and women all around the world. 
Now, remember, God can always defeat evil. I mean, probably if, if God had fingers, I don't know what God looks like, but if God had a thumb and an index finger or a middle finger or however he snaps his finger, let's see, oh, I had to think about that. Yeah. All right. If God had a middle finger and a thumb and probably one snap of his fingers, he could defeat evil just like that. But it is up to us to do it here in this realm. It's hence the free will. And so we are dealing with a certain level of evil that's trying to exterminate humanity. It's trying to injure humanity, if not exterminate it, because they want, they want a big populace of dependent and submissive people. And so I'm going to play something before we get into the uh, reading of Psalm chapter 10. I want to I play something because I think it's very important that we need to listen to. And by the way, because I didn't say it in the very beginning, it is Thursday, September 1st, 2022. So happy to have you all here. So um, I'm going to play this sound clip. It talks about how pornography is a weapon that can be used to take down nations. And... Uh, I was just typing. I can't multitask. If some of you didn't realize I'm suck at multitasking. So if you ever hear uh, what they call, or at least what I call like a, uh, a drawn out pause or a pregnant pause, that's why I'm doing something that I can't put my mind, you know, it's like that old Chinese proverb, right? The, uh, the fox that chases two rabbits catches none. And I try to focus on one thing at a time when I do things. I, I try not to multitask because it's so true. The fox that chases two rabbits catches none. So anyway, but <clears throat> this video talks about, it's only about five and a half minutes long. It talks about how pornography can destroy a nation. And uh, well, let's just give it a listen. I don't want to give too much commentary on this. Let's just give it a listen. And then we're going to get in the reading and how it kind of relates to, you know, the reading here. So let's play this. This is very interesting. Check this out. Imagine that there is a drug that is as addictive as heroin and can potentially destroy your Iman. And not only is this drug completely free of charge, it's also widely available and you can access it at a click of a button. And also there are no laws against this drug. There are no regulations in many countries around the world. So this drug can flood the market. Imagine how destructive a drug like that could be and how much damage could be caused to people's faith, to people's Iman, if this drug were flooding the market. And in fact, that drug exists. That drug is pornography. There is a porn epidemic that is affecting the entire globe. Scientists are now recognizing the major problems that are caused by pornography and how people are addicted to pornography. This is something that is so severe that in the United States, there's even one state that has declared porn a public health crisis. This is primarily due to the addictive nature of pornography. One study from 2013 even said that pornography creates the same pathways of addiction in the brain as heroin. 
What has been less studied is how pornography affects religious beliefs. In a recent study published in the National Institute of Health, sociologists Samuel Perry and George Hayward published an article called Seeing is Not Believing. In this article, they tried to explain how pornography addiction affects faith, religious faith and they found shocking results. They found that pornography has a secularizing effect on the viewer. They found that increased viewing of pornography causes a decrease in one's feeling of closeness to God, a decrease in frequency of prayer, a decrease in frequency of religious service attendance, a decrease in the importance of religion in one's life, and very importantly, an increase, an increase in doubts about one's faith. All of this is caused by a frequent viewing of pornography. What's interesting is that these effects hold regardless of gender. It affects males and females equally, but it does have a greater impact on youth. So teenagers especially are at a higher risk of experiencing these effects from increased watching of pornography. So this is something that Muslims have to be aware of. How scary is this that there can be a drug that can have this effect on your iman. It's interesting because we usually think about doubts or shubuhat in Islam being caused by intellectual trends or ideologies that might be affecting the way we think about certain issues. And that's true. That is a big source of doubts. But another source of doubts can be something that's not intellectual at all. As this research shows, something that is just viewing indecent images, indecent videos can create doubts, can create doubts in one's Islam and create these kinds of shubuhat. Even Israel as a country has used pornography as a weapon against Palestinians. In 2002, when Israel was attacking uh, Palestine, specifically the West Bank, they took over the Palestinian TV stations and broadcast pornography on the Palestinian TV stations. Think about it. Why would Israel do this? They did this because they understood this is a weapon to take away the hayat, the modesty, the decency of Palestinians, to corrupt the Palestinians on a spiritual and psychological level. But of course, as Muslims, we've always known that we have to lower the gaze and Allah commands us to lower the gaze because the eyes are the gateway to the heart. And if you expose your eyes to filth, then that will blacken your heart and dirty your heart because of what you see and hear. What is amazing is that in one narration attributed to the Prophet ﷺ, he says that the furtive glance is like a poisoned arrow of shaitan. So the poisoned arrow is particularly deadly because after you remove the arrow, the poison is still in your body. The poison is still affecting you and can make you sick and can even kill you. So this is exactly akin to the nature of pornography and its addictiveness. That even when you're not watching it, it can still have an impact on you and it can make you crave it and want it more and more and more. So the Prophet is warning of this. The Quran and the Sunnah is warning of this kind of damage caused because of uh, the unrestrained glance and looking at what is forbidden. So we ask Allah to protect us from this kind of fitna, to protect us from 
pornography, being addicted to pornography. And if you are watching this and you are addicted to pornography or you have a problem with porn, in the description of the video, I've included some links to resources that can help you with this. Some of the resources are from Muslims. Some of the resources are from non-Muslims. All right, so I guess we'll pause it there because it looks like he's just going into like some of the stuff and his resources. But as you can tell from the he's speaking predominantly to, I believe, an Islamic or a Muslim uh, uh, community or an audience. But the same would be applied. It doesn't matter if you're Hindu, Muslim, Christian, Buddhist. It, it doesn't matter what your religion is. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist. It still affects the human mind just the same. It doesn't matter what your religious views are. It still affects the body the same way, just like a drug would. Let me read something else that I found on, on uh, I think it was here, the Gateway Pundit. I try, to, I try to watch what I read from certain news sources, but this one I couldn't overlook because my aunt, unfortunately, when she died a few weeks ago, let me just give a little backstory about her just for a brief moment. So... Many, many, many years ago, when I was young and my cousin, her daughter, was young, you know, my cousin, unfortunately, uh, was a victim of, um, of uh, you know, molestation by my aunt's boyfriend's uh, nephew, who was, you know, in his uh, teenager. I'm not going to get into the details of that, but my aunt felt extremely guilty that that, you know, it was her fault because she had dated a man with a nephew that did some of these unspeakable things to her daughter. Well, long story short, she had turned to drugs and it's been a very long, hard road for her for many years after that. She eventually moved to Florida. She got into a halfway house, started getting help and cleaned up. After she got cleaned up, she went on with her life. Everything was good. Yes, she still would, you know, dabble in a little smoking of marijuana. She was a smoker in general, as far as cigarettes goes. She was a you know, she loved her drink. She loved going to the bar. She loved shooting pools. She loved throwing darts. But, you know, there's something spectacular about this woman, regardless of all of her poor choices that, you know, and, and, and she didn't have a strong faith in God. Now, she believed in God, but she didn't have a strong faith. And even though, you know, because even though her armor of God, if you will, was completely probably non-existent if, if, if anything really, really shattered and had a lot of cracks in it. So it allows Satan to get in there to entice her into these different things. She was still a beautiful soul. When she had her funeral a few weeks ago, so many people went up and spoke. I mean, so many people, like a ton of people, like it's the funeral you hope to have when you die. There's so many people that spoke so kindly of her of all the unspeakable selfless acts that she would do. Like, for example, there's one story from what I understand during when the COVID lockdowns were in effect, many people obviously were locked down and couldn't work and were deemed un, um, what was it? Uh, I can't remember the word now. Uh, non-essential. There it is, which is ridiculous. We're all essential. We all have a part that we play that's very important. And so there has been, there was a single woman who had children, custody of her own children too, hardworking mom, was falling on hard times because of the, you know, continued layoffs and, you know, they weren't, she wasn't able to make ends meet. Well, my aunt 
being the kind soul that she was, no matter what she did and what her decisions were throughout her life with choices with drugs and alcohol, gambling, she was a giver. And she would give you not just a shirt off your back, but she'd strip down naked just so you wouldn't feel uncomfortable in public if you had no clothes. That was her. And she would say to her coworker, do you need anything? I ha- I can't remember her coworker's name. I'm sorry. But, you know, but she would call her and say, you know, what do you need? I have extra money this week. I can bring some extra money so you can have it. Not to borrow, right? Not to borrow, to have. So you can feed your kids. Like, let me know. Like, that was that was my aunt. That was my Aunt Karen. Or as she always liked when I called her auntie. That was my auntie. And a friend of her died just the day before she died. And he had a, a bat he, he he got a bad batch of heroin. And my aunt, well, let me just finish that story. So he had a bad batch of heroin, took some, and he died that night. Now, it could have had fentanyl in it. I don't know. Because now we're dealing with this whole epidemic with fentanyl being laced in almost everything. Well, my aunt, she had been clean for quite some time. At least we think so anyways. You know, still was heavy in drinking. Maybe she could have been a closet drug user. But she was always responsible and still made it to work on time every time and never called out unless she was absolutely sick. She was still a productive member of society. She just liked using certain substances. And... So her friend died, a good guy friend of hers, and he passed away after this drug use. Well, she ended up, uh, she was facing, uh, so this happened on a Saturday, I want to say. Yeah, this happened on a Saturday. Now, the following Tuesday coming up, she was facing court charges because she had four DUIs, which the last one, she wrecked her SUV. And so she had four DUIs, and I think in the state of South Carolina, I think if you get four DUIs within a certain period of time, you face at least minimum a year and a half of jail, prison, whatever. And she was, you know, she was accepting of her consequences because she knew she had messed up. And so she went, though, that's, um, excuse me. So her friend, her friend had passed away, I think it was, yeah, it was Saturday. And so my aunt went over the next day to help his mom clean the uh, his bedroom and to make sure there was no other drugs because they have a cat that roams around the house and they didn't want the cat to get in the drugs and, and kill the cat. Which that would, you know, I guess whatever. That would be the last thing in my mind, but I get it. Cleaning out the house, you want all that crap out of your home. I get it. Well, my aunt found a couple little baggies behind his Bible of all places. And was like, oh, I found some, you know, I found some drugs here. I'll go to the bathroom and flush it down the toilet. Well, it would seem that she did not complete that task because then the next day on Sunday or, you know, that later on that day, I believe she had to work her night shift. She ended up taking whatever that was in that baggie because that baggie was found in her pocket empty. And a coworker of hers and my aunt were texting around 430 or 4.30, right around there. And just, you know, normal text, like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, be in at work, just trying to catch a nap, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, then all of a sudden, her coworker showed, you know, at the funeral, she showed my mom the screen of the text. And then all of a sudden, my aunt's texting started getting, becoming like unreadable, uh, gobbledy gook, you know, just kind of random letters at that point, which indicates that she was probably dying in that very moment. <clears throat> After she had taken that heroin, 
which could have been laced with fentanyl. I don't know. They had an autopsy done or a, a toxicology report. I'm not sure what the findings of that were. I didn't ask. Um, but the bottom line is, is that whatever she took, it took her life. Now, in this Gateway Pundit article, it talks about, <clears throat> excuse me, fentanyl, the poisoning of America with Martha McCollum and Justin Smith. And now they did this thing on uh, Fox News. And the article here in Gateway Pundit reads, how many Americans have known someone who died from heroin or fentanyl overdose in the last 15 years? In November, the CDC announced that over 100,000 Americans died from overdose in 2021. And this is another record or another new record and followed Dr. Fauci. I hate calling. He should not even have the title doctor, but Fauci's devastating economic lockdowns and Joe Biden's open border policies. It's common knowledge that open border policies mean more illegal drugs on American streets. Fentanyl is the most lethal drug ever created. Recently, Matt Wood from KMOV News in St. Louis released a documentary on the fentanyl crisis in St. Louis, Missouri. And it just goes on to you know talk more about that. But it says on Wednesday, Fox News had Martha McCollum aired a segment on fentanyl and the poisoning of America. And the drug is killing tens of thousands of Americans each year. Justin Smith, a recovering addict from St. Louis and personal friend, joined Martha McCollum to tell his history to the Fox News audience. And Justin was addicted to fentanyl and received and recently found sobriety. He is currently working to regain custody of his son. And this was definitely, a, from what I understand, a beautiful and moving segment. I didn't watch it, but I'm just reading this. Now, it kind of brings me up now to, like I said, what I'm about to read here in Psalm 10. Because as we read in Psalm 10, we, we talk about how we are faced with an unspeakable evil. And sometimes it seems like, you know, we cannot grasp the concept that, you know, why is God not intervening here? So let's get into the reading first. So I'm reading out of the NASB, chapter 10 in Psalm. And it reads, Why do you stand far away, Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursues the needy and let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boast of his soul's desires and the greedy person curses and shows disrespect to the Lord. The wicked in his haughtiness does not seek him. There is no God in all his schemes. His ways succeed at all times, yet your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he snorts at them. He says to himself, I will not be moved. Throughout the generations, I will not be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing, deceit, and oppression. Under his tongue is harm and injustice. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. He kills the innocent in the secret places. His eyes surreptitiously watch for the unfortunately for the unfortunate he lurks in secret like a lion in his lair he lurks to catch the needy he catches the needy when he pulls them into his net then he curses the needy one who cowers and unfortunate people fall by his mighty power he says to himself god has forgotten he has hidden his face he will never see it Arise, Lord, God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Why has the wicked treated God disrespectfully? He has said to himself, you will not require an account. You have seen it, for you have looked at harm and provocation to take it into your hand. The unfortunate commits himself to you. You have been the helper of the orphan. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Seek out the, his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. 
Nations have perished from his hand. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will make your ear attentive to vindicate the orphan and the oppressed so that mankind which is on the earth will no longer cause terror. I love that verse 15. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Seek out the, his wickedness until you find none. That is right. We will fight on the offensive, ladies and gentlemen, and seek out wickedness. We're not going to wait for the evil to come to our doorstep. No. We're going on evil's doorstep, and we're going to take it down. And as I've always said, we're going to throat stop that freaking minion, that devil, that Satan, and all his little whores down in the ground. That's what righteous, godly people do. We will take out evil. Now, in the opening of Psalm 10, it reflects the natural frustration that we often feel in the face of evil. And so in our limited understanding, we can't grasp why God is not intervening right here or right now and in, in exactly the way that we'd prefer. And not to mention in the timing that we expect him to intervene at. And so as with other Old Testament passages, the psalmist particularly here later returns to the idea of God's establishment, or excuse me, and of God's established uh, faithfulness. But the initial cry of his heart is one of a disturbed spirit. There's no doubt about that. And so evil people seem to experience success, at least from a worldly perspective. You know, it's funny, my wife, we don't, when we see what's going on in the world over the last couple few years, that was one thing that my wife would always say. She goes, you know, damn some of these people. Why, why, why do some of these people that do these unspeakable things, why do they get away with such acts? And, and yet become filthy rich and prosperous behind their wildest dreams. But you get people like you and I who work our butts off, who labor 12, 14 hours a day, and then take care of our households and maybe get four hours of sleep if we're lucky at night. And yet still not, you know, be prosperous financially. Now, again, I always said it's not about the mighty dollar. We should never be chasing the mighty dollar or worshiping the mighty dollar because the mighty dollars are probably the biggest reasons why we have all the issues that we have in this nation to begin with. But that dollar that we often get deposited into our accounts after we put in a week or two weeks worth of work, depending on your pay periods, you know, we exchange our time for that. And so I think more importantly, we get upset at the fact that we put in so much time and a lot of that time gets pilfered out of our own pockets because that time could be used being spent with our family, with our kids, maybe spending some time in the garden, spending some time with our grandparents, our elderly, maybe volunteering. You know, we can spend our time in much better ways. And so I think that's why, you know, you see evil people out there and they do these unspeakable things, but yet it seems like they get rewarded beyond rewards, beyond rewards. And so they actively seek out those, you know, when I say they, evil, they actively seek out those who are poor, who are helpless or weak in order so that they can take advantage of them. Why do you think the World Economic Forum wants everybody to not own anything and you'll be happy about it? They're trying to take advantage of the general population of the world. They don't want people owning anything. They don't want people being prosperous and abundant. Rather than being ashamed of such actions, though, the wicked actually brags about them. 
And so not only do people ignore God's will, but they also try to brush him aside as if he simply does not exist. And because of the material success, these evil people assume that there will never be any consequences for their actions. I want you to hear something. I'm going to repeat that. Because of material success, these evil people assume there will never be any consequences for their actions at all. Just because someone, and, and this is, I think, the understanding that we often get, it gets muddied up. Just because we see evil people with big extravagant yachts and exotic cars and giant mansions and anything that the money that money can buy, no matter how evil they are, guess what? God will take them down because there's no problem too great for God. We're seeing it right now. Hugh Hefner, the guy, okay, since we were on the porn topic, Hugh Hefner, all right? I mean, you might as well call him the king of pornography, at least ranks right up there. His home, I don't know if you people know this, but his home is getting systematically demolished and torn apart. I don't know what happened to him, but he's gone. And his home, his little Playboy mansion, is getting demolished. Thank God. But just because these people have this kind of money doesn't mean that God's not going to take them down. We're seeing it happen all around the world. Jeffrey Epstein. We're seeing it with all these elites. You, if you take a notice, ladies and gentlemen, and you look at the CEOs since 2020, many, many CEOs have stepped down. Now, they say in the news, stepped down, but could they have been taken out? Possibly. But you're seeing many people in news organizations and these big giant companies and corporations, you're seeing it. I mean, you're seeing sports athletes. Now, yeah, they'll tell you, oh, it's because they died of the COVID jab. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe because you've got to remember there's corruption in every organization from the school board all the way up to, you know, professional sports to the music industry and Hollywood and everything in between. And what's the commonality between all these types of people for the most part? They all have tons of money and material objects, which seems like they are successful and nothing bad is going to happen to them. You got to remember, David's depiction of the wicked here is one of predators. These evil people go to great lengths to target unsuspecting and vulnerable people. That's why it's so important to stand strong in faith in God and having Christ in your heart, because that will not make you unsuspecting or vulnerable. It'll make you very strong and aware. And the same person who might claim God does not exist is also prone to the sneer at the idea, um, to sneer at the idea that God will know or care about their sin. Now, finished with this complaint about the presence of evil, David prays for God to intervene. And he's astonished that some people turn from God and assume that he will not judge them for their sins. And so in, contra in contrast, the Lord is very well aware of the needs of the weak and helpless people. For that reason, David calls on God to disrupt the power of these wicked people, scouring and judging their lives until every bit of sin has been found out. And so the song ends with praise for the Lord and reassurance of his ultimate victory. And though the passage began with a sense of frustration and anguish, it ends with a hopeful, faithful tone. And what God has accomplished for his people reduce, produces confidence, a trust that he will hear and act according to his perfect goodness. 
This is a great psalm. And I hope people go back and re-listen to this. In fact, I like this uh, reading so much, I'm going to save this particular one on my hard drive. But don't worry about fear, fearing the evil one. Again, like I always say at the beginning of the show, which again, that was another thing outside of the date that I forgot to say. You know, God's got this. He is steering your personal vessel through the storm and through these crazy waters that we call life. He's going to steer you through the storm and, and guide you. He's going to be that beacon for you. He's going to guide you into a safe harbor and give you peace. Okay? He's going to give you peace, and he's going to get you close enough to the shore so you can get out of the boat and get out of the water and get on nice, solid, dry land. So don't look at these evil ones and think, oh my God, they're so rich and powerful. Nothing's touching them. God's not getting them. No, that's a wrong way of looking at it. Remember, this is a materialistic world we live in, and God does not deal in material items. He does not deal in money. He does not deal in you know, financial gains and success. Sure, you might be blessed if you are you know, a righteous man or woman and you're blessed financially and you're doing good things with that money wonderful you know when when i say good things good things as in helping others who are unfortunately poor and they can't afford food to fill their bellies or a roof over their head you know if you have that kind of resource or resources and you're helping the needy god bless you we need more people like that you know i always thought it'd be kind of fun to be you know fairly wealthy because I tell you, I would do nothing but travel around this nation in just an RV, me and my wife, and go to some of the poorest areas, you know, nationwide. And like, I don't know, try to do little projects, right? Maybe get some of the house built, you know, with, you know, uh, what is it? Um, oh, what's that organization? Homes for Humanity. Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but my school, actually, my, uh, my, our woodshop class, uh, the seniors and juniors in my high school, um, we there was a project that we we engaged in. Uh, that's what it is. Thank you, Liz and Ella. Yeah, um, Habitat for Humanity. Thank you. And the seniors and juniors of my high school in Wisconsin in our woodshop class, we actually participated in Habitat for Humanity and helped build a little home for a needy family in our town. It was amazing. And I would love nothing more if I, if I was a wealthy person. Now, if, I'm not, but if. I tell you, that'd be so fun. Because my wife and I, we don't need much to live. You know, just we just want to, you know, just a couple of solid vehicles to get us to and from place, place to place. Be able to afford food. And a respectable home with a nice backyard that I can, you know, make a self-sustaining um, backyard. You know, grow a garden and have a, a, a shallow, you know, have a well. And maybe a stream that I can go fishing on, you know, just five, 10 acres, maybe something that I can hunt on. I don't need a lot. I used to want big, wealthy, you know, I, I used to want a Ferrari 360 Medina. I used to want a 40, uh, a 40 plus foot Zealander, you know, yacht. It's like a million dollar boat. It's a very classy, very beautiful boat. Nothing huge and extravagant. Like I used to want these things. I used to want to have a big eight, nine, 10,000 square foot mansion you know, sitting on the top of a hill somewhere. I, you know, quite frankly, don't care about any of that. And the more I realize, heck, the house that I'm in now that we built three years ago, man, 
when we got to do a deep cleaning on this thing, you know what I hate more than anything? Cleaning baseboards. That sucks. And so I started thinking about it. I'm like, babe, <laughs> I looked at her. I'm like, next house that we build or whatever, I'm like, it's going to be a little smaller than this one because cleaning a big house sucks. She goes, uh, no, we were going to get a bigger house. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I said, what do you need bigger for? There's no reason for it. This is perfect. Anyway, she just, you know, she just, she likes, she likes hosting. That's why she wants a better, not so much a bigger home, but she wants a better layout because she loves hosting. She loves having people over. She loves feeding people and serving people. That's her nature. That's her heart. And so I share that with her. I, I think that's awesome. And she's always, she always thought it'd be cool to have a, you know, a B and B. Maybe one day, I don't know. But the bottom line is, is that if we had, you know, a, a high infinite amount of resources, you know, I, I think that'd be fun to travel around and, you know, buy food for people that are hungry. I tell you, I get no, I, I find no higher joy in my life when I see a guy that I, I can see is clearly homeless. He's at a gas station. I'm at many of them. And you know, like I had one guy and I usually don't like to share these kind of stories because I, I, when it comes to giving, I like to do that. As it says in the Bible, do it in secret. Don't boast about it. I don't like boasting about it. But there was one particular guy, I will say, he looked so cold and it was in the dead of winter. It was like 18 degrees, almost 20 degrees. out. It was, you know, pretty chilly, especially if you're homeless. And he didn't have any gloves on. So you can clearly tell his hands were really dirty and really cracked and, and dry. They almost look painful. They look so cracked. And he didn't look like he had much clothes on. Like, you know, he didn't have, I, I should say, he didn't look like he had the layers necessary to keep him insulated. And as I was unloading fuel, I watched him from a distance because, you know, I'm a big people watcher. Now, I get hit up all the time by panhandlers and, you know, I get bums on the street all the time. Going, hey, man, you got, got some dollars? And, I, you know, cause I, I, don't, I do usually don't carry cash. I'm like, no, I don't. I unfortunately don't have cash. If I got change, yeah, I'll give you a change, you know, but whatever. But I watched this particular man for some time and he looked like he was in his like upper thirties, low forties, real skinny, almost sickly looking. And I watched him for a minute and he was trying to stay warm and, uh, you know, get trying to get out of the wind. And so when I got done with my, my drop, I went inside and I asked the manager, I said, Hey, that guy that's on the side of the building, is he homeless? She goes, yeah, he is. I said, I said, is that like, does he typically kind of hang around here a lot? She goes, yeah, we try to, you know, help him out and, you know, allow him to come in and get a, you know, a free cup of coffee. And, you know, every once in a while we try to let him, you know, when it's really cold, we'll let him in at night um, just to warm up, you know, and then he'll go back out. He doesn't really bother anybody. And I could see that he did, he did not bother one single soul for money. And God spoke to me in that very moment. He said, you need to go do something for this man. And it wasn't a lot, but I went in and I bought a, a gift card, a $20 gift card. And I got the guy some coffee and I got a pair of solid gloves that I had in my truck that weren't used yet. They were still new. So I brought them over to him. I said, Hey, I said, you look like you could use a cup of coffee. So I, you know, I got him a big, big giant cup of coffee and I handed him a $20 gift card. And I said, you know, go get something to eat. And I said, here's some gloves, you know, and I asked him, I said, are you typically around here a lot? He goes, yeah, yeah. And he was so thankful. He's like, oh, God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And God bless you. And so I was going to make it, you know, my mission every day or every time I went to that store in Grand Rapids to 
get him a $20 gift card and coffee. But strangely, the guy has been missing ever since. And I asked, I, I asked the manager, I'm like, whatever happened to that guy that has been kind of like living right on the side of the gas station here that, you know, you guys kind of let in and, you know, during the winter and they're like, don't know. One day he just vanished. I'm like, wow. And I can't remember what chapter it is in the book of, I think it's Hebrews where it talks about, um, Oh, I got to see if I can find it now. Um, I know I'm doing this on the fly. Hold on. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Uh, where it's talking about entertaining angels when you don't know about it. Right. Let's see if I can find it. I probably not gonna be able to find it on the fly. I should have been more prepared. I think it was like maybe chapter five. Let me see here. Let's see here. Every, uh, you know, I'm not going to spend time trying to look at, look for this because it'll, it'll bore you. But there is a verse, I think in the book of Hebrews, that talks about, you know, being kind to strangers and I'm paraphrasing of course, but you know, being kind to strangers and serving others because you never know when you're serving one of God's angels to test you, right? You never know when you're serving and entertaining one of God's angels. In fact, there's a guy on the on the on the chat here saying that um, Raccoon Six is his call screen. He said, "I just helped a friend for two weeks get his house updated and fix most of his uh, defects, and I charge nothing." And see, that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. That's the kind of service that I'm talking about. It's 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 these things that we we do for others without an expectation of financial gain back in return. That's what it means to serve one another. That's why Jesus served as an example by washing his disciples' feet at the Last Supper, right? He served that as an example of what we need to be doing for our brothers and sisters and not expect, and not expect you know, anything in return. That's how that's supposed to work. We would have a much more peaceful and prosperous world if we had, if everybody held that men mentality and mindset. And I still believe one day we'll get there. Maybe... Not in my lifetime. Hopefully, I'd love to see that in my lifetime. But, you know, anything's great. You know, anything's possible with God. We've seen so much accelerate in this great awakening process of what's going on. Who knows? We might be able to see a thousand years of peace with, you know, at the beginning of it within our lifetimes. I don't know. I just don't know. All I know is that the face of evil is about to be unrecognized because it's going to be diminished and it's about to get it's about to get wiped off the face of the earth. By who? By God. So anyway, that's all I have for you today. Um, I appreciate you coming and listening. And uh, we are going to do a little quick prayer here. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you do for us. And we pray that you continuously um, guide us to help bless others that are in need, that are you know unfortunate and that don't have as much as we do. Guide us in the way that you need us to be guided. Speak to us, speak to our soul. Let us know who needs what. Sometimes we are often so busy with life, and I know it's not an excuse, but we do. I know I'm guilty of it. I get so busy with life that I sometimes overlooked. I overlook someone that might be in need. So every once in a while, tilt my head up, even if you have to smack me upside the head. Tilt my head up if there's somebody that's desperately in need. Speak to me so I can help them. And speak to others, too that have the means and the resources to help those around them. 
yes, we may live in a fallen world, but you have given this world good people, a remnant, people who stand in righteousness and love. And so that's why we're here to try to increase that in the lost souls around the world. So we just pray that you continuously guide us, guide our thoughts, guide our words, guide our actions. And uh, we appreciate all that you do. We appreciate your grace. And please let this platform continuously help other people find their way to Christ like you helped me find my way to Christ, God. It was a painful process, but I'm glad you put me through it. And so we pray all of this in your holy son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's all I have for you folks today. And uh, I just hope you all have an outstanding Thursday. I hope you have an outstanding rest of your week and a great weekend. I will be back here. I might do another uh, podcast later tonight. I might do another reading of the 2000-25 from the field training manual. Um, the field training manual 2000-25. I'm trying to at least do two a week. I have my national assembly and state assembly calls I got to do this evening. So I might do it leading up to it. I'm not sure. But um, I'll be back here tomorrow, though, for another 1% with him. And I'm going to do the second part of that Nasara uh, podcast that I started with on Tuesday. I have a second part. It's not going to be quite as long. Um, that piece is about 23 minutes versus the 34 minutes, I think, that we played the other night. So 23 minutes. We'll wrap it up. We'll discuss that a little further. Um, that'll be at 8 a.m. tomorrow. <clears throat> um I still have to get a hold of Donna Brandenburg. I'm trying to see how she wants to, you know, work this. Um, I might go on her show at nine o'clock or I might have her on mine after I'm done with what I'm doing. But I still, cause I, I texted her. I didn't receive a, a response back yet. And she's pretty busy. I guess she was in Lansing yesterday, um, doing some protesting for, uh, I forgot what it was. I think some verbiage on the ballot. So regards to abortion or I can't remember, but anyway, <clears throat> she's been very busy. So I'll probably try to circle, uh, circle back with her a little bit later on today, but either way, I'm going to have my show starting at eight. Um, and then, um, I'll be on her show possibly right around nine or she might be on mine. I'm not sure. Or neither. I don't know. Depends. It depends what she has going on. So either way, I hope you all have a great day. I'm going to play a song before we do a closing, uh, do we, before we do the closeout, you know, outro. So one of my favorite artists, High Res and Jimmy Levy. Faith over fear. Oh, God is always there when you got faith over fear. He'll answer all your prayers. So go and tell all the people that the Lord will lead the way. I put faith over I got God in my corner, there ain't a man that could stop me I already gave my soul to him, not the Illuminati Now I got an army of people that's right beside me Heaven over Hollywood, evil can never stop me Media want you nervous, they wanna make you feel worthless The government is a circus, had to fight off these serpents Just to get back to the surface My soul is not for purchase, God's the only one I service I'm his servant Going through hardships in my darkest, I know he gon' take my hand When life get hard, it's like a promise that you gotta trust his plan Even if you don't understand, 
doesn't happen when you demand it gonna happen when the time is right all your prayers they gonna be answered have no fear when he near he gonna take the wheel then he still when you think he gone here pig got he feel when you cry tears they said two weeks is all the spread that's turning into five years i don't believe in the devil god the only one i fear faith over fear oh god is always there when you got faith over fear he'll answer all your prayers so go and tell all the people that the lord will lead the way i put faith over fear every day yeah i got faith over fear only one i fear is god we all make mistakes and we all have flaws wasn't following his laws that's when i was so lost i'd never sell my soul for a cost When I thought I'd be better off dead, I heard a voice in my head. All the tears that I shed, all the blood that I bled. I kept my faith strong. People laid off just for not complying. Everything I prayed for, it came for it. God showed me the light. Hey, I never question the vision I'm given, and I never question the journey. I never question the blessings and lessons He sent us, so I never worry. This is bigger than a song. This is my testimony to my family that's gone, and to all my dead homies. I'm putting y'all on my back, even when times get bad. Won't forget where I came from. God brought me to. Where I'm at, hey, the devil is a lie. Only trust the Most High. I got love for both sides. Matter of fact, there is no sides. Jimmy, faith over fear. Oh, God is always there when you got faith over fear. He'll answer all your prayers. So go and tell all the people that the Lord will lead the way. I put faith. Savior Jesus Christ. That is literally 1% of our time on a daily basis. Spend a little time in the Bible, spend some time in prayer, and you'd be amazed what Jesus will do to you. Drop. www.hishardline.com for all the latest updates. 